Environmental justice means every person, regardless of where they live, their income, social status, or race, has access to live sustainably in a healthy environment with the basic amenities needed to thrive, free of pollution and exploitation. So much racism and injustice is in plain sight, but environmental injustice? Now that can be very hard to spot. The Salton Sea sits about 30 miles from the Mexican border in Southern California. Tens of thousands of residents, many of whom are first and second generation Latinos, live in the surrounding areas. But the sea is slowly disappearing, leaving toxic dust behind that threatens the safety of these communities. Here's an episode from producers Adriana Torres and Rosa Gonzalez that originally aired on the Living Downstream podcast. A few years before I was born, this shoreline, we call it a playa, it was covered with fish, almost 8 million of them, talapias, they were dead. A lack of oxygen and a lot of algae killed them. None of this is supposed to be here, not the fish. Their bones are under my feet, mixed in with a lot of barnacle, tiny round shells like beets. They're a sign that the food chain is failing. It's surprising, but birds still come to the sea. Even though thousands of brown and white pelicans died here from eating bad fish, this is a stop for birds on the Pacific Flyaway, a migration route, and climate change is stealing bird habitat at other stops on the way. The water? That was an accident too. Farmers came to settle this hot and dusty land, so they built canals to divert and control the Colorado River. More than a century ago, one canal broke open. The place it flooded hadn't been a lake in hundreds of years. None of us should be here, not the fish or the birds or the people, but we are. Now, the sea is shrinking. Over time, officials have promised to do things to restore it and protect us, including California's current Natural Resources Secretary, Wade Crowfoot. A receding sea worsens air quality that is a major public health crisis in Imperial and Riverside counties to tens of thousands of Californians and, of course, Americans. Fixing the sea is California's responsibility. The state said so the year I was born. Since then, they've spent millions of dollars on studies and meetings and reports. But the Salton Sea has been drying up faster, and the climate is changing, and there's still no plan to finish the work. My name is Rosa Gonzalez. Adriana and I just graduated from high school together. I live in Thermal. We don't even have a mayor. It's a small community a few minutes from the Salton Sea. But until a couple of months ago, I really hadn't seen the sea up close. Here on the West Shore, it's gross. There's trash, old bottles, a nasty, muddy piece of carpet. It smells rotten, rotten eggs, rotten fish. And it's hot. It's going to be 112 degrees today. A couple of volunteer scientists and a teacher from our old high school, Desert Mirage, they're pumping up a small pontoon boat. They're here to help start a science program that local people can take part in. The idea is to monitor water quality in the Salton Sea. This is your first time on a boat? 
That's Isabel Arseno Soltero. She's an oceanographer at UC Irvine. She's here with Quint Montgomery, an oceanographer at Scripps. They're working for free. To go out with them, I put on blue waders so I can splash into the boat. People here know the sea is dirty. Arseno Soltero says it's really unique. It's almost twice as salty as the ocean. Actually, it's more than twice as salty as the ocean in a lot of parts. Also, the water has been starved of oxygen. So unfortunately, a lot of biology dies around here, and it's quickly receding due to the different uh, water policies that have been implemented. State and federal scientists monitor water quality out here, but not frequently, and their data reports are hard to find. These scientists in a group called Alianza Coachella Valley want to do more and share more about water quality with the community. Yeah, I'm gonna push. I'm gonna get in right now. So we are preparing to leave right now. A three hour show. So as he is rowing us into the sea, I can see the kind of dark brown, kind of yellow water. It's kind of reddish. As we started to paddle out, I remembered when I was six. My dad once told me and my siblings that we were going to a beautiful beach. We were so excited. We packed things up. In the car, he kept talking about it, how beautiful it was. He stopped the car and we ran out. We saw dead fish. It smelled gross. My dad was just laughing at us. My mom scolded him. We eventually went to a beach in LA, but I never came back here. I heard it. Out on the water, it's a different view. For one thing, the sea is about 35 miles long. It takes almost half an hour to get to the first sampling site by the mouth of a river. We can use the salinity as a marker for where the, the river is coming out. Even in the middle, the sea is shallow. Arseno Soltero uses a monitoring tool called the sonde. It looks like a flashlight. It tracks time, location, the oxygen levels, how cloudy the water is, and how salty. So salinity here is 54, so it is fresher. We have gotten into the river plume. For most of a century, four rivers have kept this area wet. Their water arrives less salty than the sea, but also polluted. River water tends to have other pesticides in it that are feeding into the salt and sea. So we can say that if the salinity tells us that we're getting into the area that is influenced by the river water, then maybe that area has also other pesticides and, and nutrients. The scientists are training at least 10 community members to come on sampling trips just like this. The group Alianza will pay them each time. I guess what we're trying to help them is just to get information because essentially what we want is to is for the community to have their own measurements and have their own tools to advocate for themselves in terms of environmental policies. My dad, he still thinks the Salton Sea is a nasty place. But on the water, I started to think of the sea more like someone I know, like a sick family member no one remembers or cares to bother with.
If the sea is sick, one place to examine it is at the mouth of the brown, smelly New River. It runs under a highway at the south end. Drying the sea up is happening on purpose. California water users took more than their share from the Colorado River for a long time. So the year I was born, the state had to settle a fight with other western states about that. It meant less water for crops and less farm runoff going into this river that feeds the sea. Pesticides are still in here, from Mexico and the U.S. Some of them are illegal now, like the termite killer Aldrin and DDT. That's what another scientist tells me. My name is Ryan Sinclair. I'm an environmental microbiologist and I work at the Loma Linda University School of Public Health. For one of his projects, Ryan Sinclair used a balloon to raise a camera up above the playa to help show how fast it's growing. By one estimate, the sea could lose three quarters of its volume within a decade. Within 25 years, there could be 100,000 acres of exposed playa. Authorities said to avoid the sea this year because of the algae blooms that could harm people and animals. Sinclair points out an agricultural ditch that could harm people too. The concern is that the pesticides will be emissive because they're in the sediment, which would be this stuff here. Toxic chemicals are in the water and the mud drying out. There's no way out for all of this. We know that those are still there, but we don't know if they're going to be attached to the dust and they're going to be blowing up into the wind and then coming out to where people are living and breathing. State pesticide regulators check water quality at two rivers that go into the sea a couple times a year. But this isn't drinking water, so they don't study human health impacts. No state agency understands what happens to the pollution as the sea dries up. Everything's in uncertainty right now. I don't think anybody's been able to quantify anything about any of this. So people want to do some science themselves, just like the community already does for air quality. A group called Comité Civico del Valle put in 40 of its own air monitors to supplement the few the state has here. For this water monitoring, way more people signed up than Alianza can train. The budget for this whole project is tiny, a few thousand dollars. So far, the state of California has authorized more than $700 million for restoration projects at the Salton Sea. That Salton Sea is a pretty big um, challenge. In 2014, Governor Jerry Brown said fixing the sea could be quite expensive. I've heard uh, numbers into the billions, so it's important. I'd certainly like to find a way to, to, to do better by the Salton Sea than we've been doing. But none of the money spent so far has gone to study the questions people ask the most about health risks. What's in the dust that's getting exposed on the playa? And who's going to be affected by it? So all of those districts are involved. The water district, the regional water board, the pesticide, and the air quality districts. Researcher and microbiologist Ryan Sinclair. They, they just don't take responsibility to you know, solve this complicated problem. And so that's the main issue the community has. Other airborne pollution blows into the Coachella Valley too. So it's hard to know how much to blame on the sea. There's smog from bigger cities nearby, emission from cars, from trains and trucks that move cargo, power plants and factories. Near where I live, there's burning on agricultural fields and particles of dust from the desert. Still, 
UC Riverside scientists who collected dust estimated that about 10% of their samples come from the playa. And there's more playa at the sea every day. Pollution already causes many diseases of the lungs and heart. It makes people sick, including my classmate Adriana's mother. My mom's name is Silvia Torreseja. She has lived near the Salton Sea since she was around 17. Empecé a sentir esos problemas como a los 17 años, pero de primero no le tomé mucha importancia porque comenzaron nomás como alergias al aire, a la tierra. Within a year, she started to have trouble breathing. At first, she didn't think much of it. It felt like allergies to the air or dirt, but the symptoms got worse. She discovered she was asthmatic. She couldn't run fast. She couldn't be outside. Now she controls her asthma with medication. It's worse in the spring. And she says it's aggravated when the wind shifts and comes from the sea towards our house in North Shore. When an attack starts, she feels it in her throat and she begins to feel desperate for air. And sometimes she's sweating and feels like she can't get enough air. It feels like you have to immediately run to the doctor, she says. Because if not, there's no one who can help. My mom went to the emergency room a few times for this. But the people who can't afford doctors or American health care, they're not even counted in public health statistics. The accelerating ecological crisis is really there for people to see. Um, the ongoing community health crisis has been going on for quite a while, and so it's not as obvious to people. Dr. David Lowe is an immunologist and a dean at the UC Riverside School of Medicine. In Imperial County, at the south end of the sea, one in every five people has been diagnosed with asthma. But in Riverside County and North Shore, We've only got estimates. We just don't have the detailed information on who is sick, where they are living, what they're exposed to, and what kind of sick they are, right? So we need that information because we have not made that investment. Around the sea, Lowe says the rate of children who go to the emergency room or stay in the hospital for asthma is twice as high as the rest of the state. And just like the people who live here, he suspects more people may have health problems than we even actually know. No! <laughs> My neighbor is a woman named Cochita Posar. She's a mother and an advocate from the indigenous Purapecha community of Michoacan, Mexico. Sometimes neighbors will drive her around North Shore with a megaphone to let people know in their own language when there's something important to pay attention to. Her house is the place people gather to talk about their health and their children. She says that's how the community has noticed patterns among the problems. For example, say you have a family with three children. One child may have asthma, one child may have allergies, one child may have allergies in the eyes or nosebleeds. Every child may be having problems based on their immune system. Conchita has tried to talk to local and state air officials, but nothing requires these regulators to take her seriously. And she says they continue 
to dismiss her concerns. We gave testimonies that the children had no spoons, asthma, allergies, but they said no, that they needed proof. So the rate of respiratory illness is not well tracked. The nearest hospital to my house in North Shore is in a city, 35 minutes away. The thing is, people go to doctors in two different counties and two countries. Sometimes when they get sick, people go to Mexico. And sometimes traveling there can make them even sicker. Once, when my mom did drive all the way to Mexicali, they got mad at her. They scolded her in the hospital. They said she could have died on the way. But the doctors in Mexicali helped. She got medicine, and they showed her how to handle attacks with the nebulizer at home. My neighbor Conchita says doctors in Mexico are better. Lamentablemente, si lo llevamos a una cita médica aquí en nuestras clínicas o en nuestros hospitales, unfortunately, if we take them to a medical appointment here in the United States, in our clinics or hospitals, they don't give us medicine. They tell us that it's an allergy, that it's going to pass, and our children continue to get worse. But if you take them to a doctor in Mexicali, they will give us treatment that helps the children much better, and they can be a little more, I would say, in better condition with this dust that's affecting us all. The issues we're talking about might affect more than 100,000 people who live right near the sea. David Lowe at UC Riverside runs a center for health disparities research. He says that the symptoms we describe offer clues that the problem is specific to the sea. It's a drying lake. It's becoming um, ecologically unstable. It's more of an environmental exposure hazard. And because that's the case, he says it's worth seeing the sea differently. In ancient times, people blamed a poisonous vapor for diseases, like plague. Lowe says this was called a miasma, and he says that it is one way to think about the Salton Sea. But really, the Salton Sea is a system, an ecosystem. The sea, and the dust, and the algae, and the fish, and the birds, and the people, together. The communities can really direct us to where the real research questions are. We think that this drying Salton Sea and the dynamic degradation of the ecology in the sea um, and its secondary effects on the aerosols and that association with, with um, pulmonary health is something that really needs to be studied. People in this area say they feel connected to it, like a neighbor, and its changes are rippling into their lives. <laughs> Dora Cecilia Tapia has lived in Salton City, on the West Shore, for 25 years. There were pelicans there on the shore, and you could hear the waves, and I would close my eyes, and I could hear the sound of the tiny waves. It's beautiful, the sound of the tiny waves hitting the rocks. It sounded so beautiful that it relaxed you. When one time we went on a walk, my husband and I, we went over there to the sea. 
We were there and there were rocks. Well, there still are rocks. What's gone now is the water. There were some pelicans, but right now there are no more pelicans. The poor things. It's not just the wildlife. Lora's children grew up with pelicans and green parks. But now she volunteers at a school with red flag days to warn everyone when the air is especially dangerous and a dusty playground where she sees kids struggling. There are children who are coming after my children who have not enjoyed what my children enjoyed at that time. Why? Laura is close with her neighbors, including Maria Molina, who moved here six years ago. Laura helped out when Maria and her husband had COVID. Thank God there were several families who helped me. They would go and put food outside my house. Uh, they helped me with medicines that I needed, the groceries too, and other things like cooked food. Like Dora, Maria thinks the sea is beautiful, but she also compares it to the coronavirus. Because the illness will expand everywhere. That is why I feel like that. Maria and other people who had COVID here say their lungs are still recovering, and that makes dust and allergies and asthma all that much harder to cope with. As the health of the sea worsens, Dora says, so does her mental health. Te deprime, te da depresión. It depresses me. It is a depression where sometimes you don't feel like moving or doing anything, and you wonder, why do things happen like this? All of this is why David Lowe says it's important to study people and the rest of this ecosystem together. We can think about this as a real medical mystery that we need to solve if we're to address their health issues more uh, uh, directly. So Lowe and some other UC Riverside researchers decided to take a closer look at what the sea might do as it changes and becomes more dangerous. They exposed mice to water from the Salton Sea, and the mice had a reaction. Not one like when my mother has asthma, and not like an allergy, like the allergy people get to something around the house. And they tried water from the Pacific Ocean. Mice didn't react to that. Lowe says, Maybe there's something unique about the Salton Sea. It may not be a specific bacteria or virus or fungus that's causing it. It could be the components that's released in the sea spray and the dust and things like that, that because of chronic exposure is causing this kind of response in the, in the lung tissue. But they're not sure. At UC Riverside, they're still studying the effects dust might have on lungs. But overall, Lowe says there hasn't been a lot of funding for this kind of research here getting people outside of the community to understand the benefits of addressing this is going to be real tough. If we improve the health of a migrant community of agriculture workers, well, the, the rich white people don't benefit. So you don't have the incentive to fix the problem. In Salton City, Laura says she tries to keep her spirits up. But she asks, if there are people who have the power to help, why aren't they doing it? Don't they have any heart? Doesn't it move them as human beings to want to make improvements in this area of the Salton Sea? My neighbor Conchita Posar is more than sad. She's angry that the government ignores us and moves way too slow. 
que están tratando de ocultar They're trying to hide their bad work and do not want to look at things as they really are. Dora and Conchita and other people from the Eastern Coachella Valley have told the state they want more action and more attention on human health. The person they try to reach the most is the head of the Salton Sea Management Program. So my name is Arturo Delgado. For 14 years, everyone knew that the water from the Colorado River and the farms nearby would stop coming to the Salton Sea. After it did, California set up the program Delgado Now Runs. Our producer, Molly Peterson, met him where the state is building waterways for an endangered fish on an exposed playa. It's a site covering six square miles called the Species Conservation Habitat Project. So on the other side here is uh, prior surface roughening work. Uh, it's basically furrows. Uh, they're about two to three feet deep. The idea here is as wind blows over the site here, that the furrows will capture the sand and it will settle into the furrows. Molly asked why this project happened first. Originally the vision was to implement projects on areas where it was anticipated that we would have the the most exposed lake bed area. Uh, that area is the shallowest. And so we started with the south and, and this project in particular because we wanted to implement as much habitat as we can and cover as much exposed lake bed uh, as soon as we can. You know, obviously there's a human health impact to the dust that's being exposed. How does this project consider the human health impact? Yeah, so basically in the way that I just described it, uh, we're trying to... She asked him how the project considered the human health impact seven more times. I don't see anywhere and I don't hear exactly how human health is considered scientifically. I mean, it's all about covering as much exposed lake bed with ecological restoration. It sounds like you haven't done like a health analysis about how many people it's going to help to cover which pieces of land. Yeah, so I wouldn't characterize it that way. I would characterize it that we're going to be very strategic about How is the state of California considering human health when it decides how to make these decisions? When you say the state of California, there's a lot of departments and agencies that have different jurisdictions. Land at the Salton Sea is a patchwork. Some of it is owned by the Torres Martinez tribe, some by the Imperial Irrigation District, and the rest is owned by the public, federal, state, and local government. Delgado wouldn't say who is responsible for the dust at the Salton Sea, dust that definitely affects our community. There's a lot of shared responsibility, and there are different agencies that have different jurisdictions. There's a lot of different regulatory agencies that have responsibilities for different you know, things. The federal agencies, there's um, state agencies, and there's local agencies. I think I just so, share with you that what we're responsible for. I don't want to speak for anybody else's responsibility. No health analysis exists. Delgado told Molly that state air regulators were advising him about human health. So we asked her to follow up with them. The California Air Resources Board told me they were not advising the Salt and Sea Management Program about human health. They may in the future. They have not been asked to study human health impacts from the sea, and there's no funding for such work right now. According to a Congressional Research Service report, covering all of the exposed playa would cost nearly $6 billion. California is trying to get funding from the U.S. Congress and federal government now. 
there hasn't been much federal spending so far. One time, the Obama administration committed to $30 million in restoration spending, and that was a big deal. In partnership with California, we're going to reverse the deterioration of the Salton Sea before it is too late, and that's going to help a lot of folks all across the West. Federal and state authorities have spent $70 million so far, mostly on studies and salaries. People on the North Shore, like my mom and other people who work in the fields, haven't seen any benefit from this yet. My mom has been a farm worker for 40 years, long enough that she's a field boss now. Working in the fields is extremely hard. It's humid and sweaty in oasis on the northwest corner of the sea. To avoid heat strokes and sunburns, people wear hats and even sweaters. With all the dust and sand the winds carry, it can be very hard to breathe in the fields. Researchers at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography say wind sloshes around, north and south, up and down the sides of the mountain and the Salton Sea Bowl. And on the north end of the sea, people have noticed it's gotten worse. A tall, slender man named Jesus tells me that his daughter suffers from asthma. Yes, it's worse. For example, when the dust storms come, you notice that asthma attacks begin to occur more frequently. There's less exposed playa around here compared to the south end but you can still see the dust storms at the north end of the sea from space. Jesus says that the state should focus more on people than on the wildlife. Of course it does. Of course it influences the pollution from the Salton Sea. Because when there's dust storms and the strong winds come, well then, all the pollutants spread where you live and you really notice that children, that young people, start to have problems and those with asthma. State officials say legal requirements and a lack of money limit how fast they can improve air quality at the Salton Sea. To me and people in my community, it feels like neglect. And while they delay, climate change is making life much harder. In the mobile homes and trailers where farm workers live, people run air conditioning longer to make conditions livable. Like at the house of my classmate, Rosa Gonzalez. By the time I'm an old woman, my hometown will see 100 degree days half the year. Every year, the air conditioners cost us more money. The Eastern Coachella Valley has the most mobile home parks per capita in California. I grew up in one. They're called Polancos, and they're the best housing option people have. Melva Racinos, who used to work in the fields herself, now owns a Polanco park near me in Thermal. It's not just a trailer on top of another trailer. These mobile home parks were made a little differently, with more space, more privacy. But the unpaved roads around Polanco's swirl with dust, and when it rains, roads run with mud. Yanes Andrade Magaña, an advocate with Pueblo Unido, says wealthier neighborhoods don't have our problems. 
o de que antes de que los niños se vayan a la escuela a ver cómo está la carretera. Like, before leaving, I have to make sure that my car can even make it out so I can go to the doctor. Or before the children go to school, I have to check to see how the road is. If it is okay, if it is not raining, if it is dry. But if I'm going to take the kids to school, or if I'm going to go out, I can't see because of the dust. These are things that are normal, day to day here. But if we were on the other side of the valley, we wouldn't have to think about them. They don't happen. A short and quiet woman named Virginia calls this Polanco home. She's 40 or so. She works in the fields and she's allergic to dust. A few days ago, when the dust event happened, I got so itchy. That's what the doctor tells me, that it's allergies. They already tested me, and it's a dust allergy. I told him, well, I can't move anywhere else. My financial situation doesn't allow it. I'm a little better here compared to where I was before. But the dust does cause allergies to my husband and I. He starts to cough. It's like he's sneezing a lot. The coughing and the itching, all that is the allergy that it produces in me. Melva, the landlord, she has tried to help. She put down heavier black dirt around these homes to fight the dust. It's part way towards paving. Some of the dust comes from the Salton Sea. Local air regulators have declared the Eastern Coachella Valley an environmental justice community. And they set aside some money for paving projects a grant Melva has applied for, but there's so much competition she might not get it. Melva points out that the Coachella Valley hasn't met air quality standards for years. It's a right we all have, a human right, the right to breathe clean air. That is why we have our agencies to protect us. This isn't like a luxury, it is a human right that we need to give to everyone near the sea, all these people in North Shore. Paving makes life easier. You can get to work in the fields or to doctor's appointments or to school. On top of that, it cuts dust, so it's easier to breathe. Yaneth from Pueblo Unido says it's the kind of solution people here actually want. So it hasn't just been a solution for one thing. It's a solution for many things. The problems with the sea reveal what we're missing access to health care, and a good economy. It's an environmental problem, but David Lowe from UC Riverside agrees it's even bigger than that. Uh, we can do that, try and improve access to health care, but there are many other ways that we need to benefit the community so that people can afford it, health insurance, things like that. So we have to think, you know, how do you take this, you know, diverse community and create an economy that gives people good reason to come back. Like I said before, I've started to think of the sea like a person or a neighbor. But I wasn't the only one. In Salton City, Maria Molina did too. She believes that a person who sees the Salton Sea as a dead sea, that person has something dead inside them. That the sea isn't dead, but alive, and like a person who is sick. When a person is sick, 
You don't just leave them to die. You do everything you can to help them. Not long ago, I left Thermal, and I'm in my first year at the University of California, Irvine. I'm going to study medicine. I'm excited even though I'm worried about my home and the people around it. I want to continue to support the people who have helped me grow and the community that has always supported me. Our ecosystem is sick. I want to help. Adriana Torres says that's her plan too. Where we're from, other people we know, people who graduated before us, they left the valley and they came back. ¿Qué piensas como de como yo otros niños que están yendo que están yendo a la escuela ahorita? So I talked to my mom about this. I said, "What do you think about me or other kids who are going to school right now, leaving to other places? What do you think about that?" ¿Verdad ellos que están viviendo aquí, miran lo que pasa, saben qué es lo que hace falta? She told me people who live here know what is happening. They know what is missing. They know what we need. She says parents should encourage their children to get ahead, to have goals, to study hard. That's what she did for me. I just started at Stanford. ¿Qué es uno de tus sueños para los niños que están yendo al colegio ahorita y que piensan a venir para atrás? I asked her. What are your dreams for the children who are going to college right now and who plan to come back? And she says her dream is that they would come back and serve their community. Principalmente a todos los niños, chicos que les enfoquen, verdad, a estudiar, a luchar y pues luchar siempre por lo que uno quiere y por lo que es lo mejor, que no se detengan y salgan adelante. We shouldn't have to solve problems that we didn't make, but I think we can, and I hope we will. I'm Adriana Torres. And I'm Rosa Gonzalez for Living Downstream. This episode was originally written by Molly Peterson with Olivia Rodriguez Mendez for the Living Downstream podcast. It was produced with the help of Rosa Gonzalez and Adriana Torres, our narrators. The featured musicians are Ocho Ojos, who are based in Coachella, California. The Living Downstream theme music is by David Shulman. Steve Mencher is the founding producer of Living Downstream. Darren Lachelle is the president and CEO of Northern California Public Media. Hey, Pulso fam. I want to tell you all about Atlas Lingue, a Studio Ochenta podcast about language, culture, and communication. Have you ever wondered what your cat is trying to tell you? Or how Disney Pixar writers craft stories that resonate across numerous languages? Atlas Lingue host Luis Lopez explores these topics and so much more. It's a show about the confusing, wonderful, and weird world of language, and this season, they're diving deep into the language of culture online. They're interviewing content creators from different countries who document their daily lives and cultural backgrounds on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. New episodes air every other Monday wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also watch all the interviews on their YouTube channel at 80 Podcasts.